Hey, how good. It has been some time. A fucking long time. <laughs> a lot. Like, fuck, when was the last time we chatted? Or, or Mate, I would say. last time I saw you? Oh, probably last time I saw you would have been, mate, I can't even remember. Maybe 2017? Yeah. Maybe maybe somewhere there. Who knows? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Good to see you. Good to see you keeping well. Good to see you too. How are things? Oh man, it's been um it's been a hell of a few years for sure. I've just been um I've been under the pump, starting some new business. Um I moved to the Gold Coast. You've been to Goldie before? I have not, but uh it's the it's the the place I want to go to in Australia. So I, I do I, know. It is it is epic. And I don't know why I didn't move here ten years ago when I had the opportunity just to live anywhere in the country. I didn't choose the Gold Coast. I chose to live in Adelaide. And the Gold Coast, there's good weather all year round. There's surf all year round. There's whales for half the year, just like literally 400 meters. I can see them from my balcony. And, mate, it's epic. It's just good surf, good vibes, lots of fit people, great running tracks, great mountain biking tracks. I just don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of... I, you know, it's on par kind of with like how Southern California is, except for like how the States run here. Um, and I tried to get out of here uh, for a while. Uh, and then I just ended up coming back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you come to the Gold Coast, I don't think you'll leave. Yeah. That, well, that's what I've heard. I've got a very good friend of mine. Who's like, if you go to Australia, you're never coming home. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's pretty much what happened. It's like, I'll just to and from, you know, between here and Bali essentially and good surf in both spots, good weather in both spots, good training environment too, good people. So yeah, yeah. can't really, can't really complain too much. That's great. Um, but man, thanks so much for jumping aboard. Look, I just not going to take up too much of your time, but I wanted to um, just have a bit of a, a chin wag just about some, some breath stuff, some performance work, um, you know, the latest and greatest stuff that you've been diving deep into. I think it's, valuable knowledge that is what this platform's all about. I wanted to create, so essentially fiber, um, if you're unfamiliar, fiber is a supplement brand I run now and it's to do with holistic health. Everything is natural. It's naturopathically formulated. It's, it's basically tonic herbals and mushrooms and things like that, just to help be a little bit better. But again, it's like the one or the 2%, but part of that is I wanted to create a platform that was all about education and the latest stuff, not stuff from 25 years ago or 30 years ago, but a resource for people to come to, to not just get a quality supplement that they believe in, but also to have a platform where they can just self-educate and um, learn a bit about everything. So kind of like, I guess what I've done over the years with multi-sport is dabble in a bit of everything. Um, try and get strong whilst trying to get fit and vice versa. And, you know, that came off the back of CrossFit, but they can use this as a platform to learn about breath work, to learn about nutrition, to learn about fasting, to learn about sunlight, to learn about grounding, to, to really whatever kind of tickles their fancy I want to talk about. So I know personally, I have a deep connection with the breath that actually stemmed from you. So I wanted to really dive deep into a bit of stuff you know, articulate it to the, to the community about a, why it's so important protocols people could look at that could improve themselves across multi facets of their life, whether, whether it's performance or anxiety or, 
you know, just feeling a little bit better and just becoming a little bit more optimized. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I want to kick things off. Mate, give us a bit of a lowdown on how you became familiar with breath and why it became so powerful for you. And maybe just a, a summary on the progression that it's taken you over the last, say, 15 years. Uh, all right. <laughs> just yeah, hit me. Let, let it rip. <laughs> let it rip. Go for it. So um, I think I'm pretty sure. When did we first meet? 2016, Costa Mesa. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I had already been involved in this stuff. Um, I think it was like 13 or 14. I, I Somebody handed me a training mask, which was that, you know, the elevation training mask. Yes. Um, and I laughed at it because it, because I, I, I've, um, and I'll bring this around full circle, but I, I've screwed around with altitude and low oxygen training for, fuck, close to 20 years now. So the the bulk of my career, I was actually looking at altitude. Granted, you know, the first, I was following other people's protocols and stuff like that early on, but I knew that the mask couldn't change how oxygen was delivered, not in the traditional sense that oxygen is delivered. Um, so I laughed. Anyway, I was like, ah, all right, I'm just going to put it on anyway, because, you know, I'm making fun of something I've never even used. Um, this is the literal de definition of ignorance. So, um, I, I put it on and when I put it on, I was sitting down like I am now and I'm just mimicking, but, but I, I started drawing a breath and I organized myself and sat up in order to draw that breath because there was resistance applied to it. And because of my back background of movement and what I understand about movement, I knew I organized my spine around my diaphragm. So I, at that moment, changed the way I thought about everything within human movement and understand and what I now feel and, and what I think the foundation of all movement begins with the diaphragm um, because everything has to organize around it. And thus, there's plenty of research to back it up, but there's this phenomenon called blood stealing, which is where the locomotor, the diaphragm and the intercostals, the bl blood will get redirected from the locomotor muscles when we are under fatigue or um, we are challenging ourselves beyond our means, right? So that is a loaded kind of drop in that if I have poor breathing mechanics, blood stealing begins far sooner than it would with somebody who does not. Mm. That means blood diverts from my tissue that I'm working with, whether I'm a runner, whether I'm a crossfitter, whether I'm a lifter, it doesn't matter. If I've got poor breathing mechanics, I am shunting blood. It doesn't mean it shuts off. It just means I'm just not getting all of it. Um, mm. And I can watch this phenomenon with a lot of technology now that I have, but you know, it's all kind of come in the last probably 10, 12 years, um, you know, full circle because of the amount of testing and stuff I do. But I got involved in it because I saw that it was providing my athletes with something that I couldn't provide them around the world, right? You lived in, you know, Adelaide, right? Yeah. Australia. Like I was working with you, but I couldn't, like there were things I couldn't, there were athletes everywhere that I couldn't do, but if I gave them something to do while they were warming up, it would have them kind of 
work at something they weren't ever really working at. And then I started diving into the physiology of everything. So I started studying respiratory physiology and that led me into actually looking at how the chemistry worked um, in the body with, especially with respiration, breathing in and of itself. Um, and because of my background and understanding a little bit of bio, you know, some of bioenergetics and understanding Krebs cycle, understanding energy, how we're, how we're transferring it, that then moved right into the brain and understanding the neurobiology of it. Um, I quickly found myself on an Island. Um, once I got there because there wasn't really anybody looking at it in the performance world or really in my world, immediate world in the, in the way that I was really looking at it. And I wasn't just using resistance breathing devices at that point. At that point, I had really moved away from those things and started understanding the connection with breathing, you know, starting with the nose and then that transcending into mouth breathing and how that started to occur. Granted, the early stage of, the, of this, we thought that there was a bunch more nose breathing that, was, that should be going on than wasn't. Uh, however, most people are fairly underdeveloped in terms of not just breathing and mechanics, but in terms of oxygen efficiency and or CO2 sensitivities. We're all sensitive to CO2. It's just how sensitive. Um, I really was, um, I've, I've been instrumental in helping deliver some language that wasn't really out there before, which is terminology like carbon dioxide tolerance, CO2 tolerance, et cetera. Um, that, you know, maybe your listeners know, but don't, or it doesn't matter. Um, but we started talking about this because we saw something going on with elite athletes. Even you, you are a perfect example of that, where you had this mild hypersensitivity to CO2. I gave you some protocols to stick to for about a month. And within a month, there was an astronomical change that happened to you. And you just felt like you could go all day long at just like double the intensity that you were at. Right. Absolutely. And I can speak to this in many different contrasts, but to put it in perspective and to give some um, numerical value to this for people that are listening, because people love numbers and people love knowing the numbers of people that have been yes. elite. They want to know, they want to know the heart rate. They want to know, you know, the effort. Um, where were you sitting? How many RPMs? So essentially, after a workout, I tried to sit down. I gave myself a 15-minute break, sat down. I was following a cadence breath protocol, um, yeah. which was one one two one ratio. And I started off, I think you gave me the protocol to start off with sevens. It was seven, seven, 14, seven. Repeat this for 10 minutes. Try and become relaxed through the nose. I couldn't even hold two rounds of this thing without feeling like I was about to Hype, uh, about to pass out because I couldn't hold my breath. I, I was starting to get anxious about holding my breath for that period of time. And so you're just like, whoa, what's the go there? And I was like, I don't know. I feel like after one or two rounds, I've got no oxygen and I need to take a breath. So I worked on learning how to control my exhale. That was the thing that I sucked at the most. I felt like yeah. that was the biggest yeah, point. Yeah, yeah I remember exhale, that. Ex exhaling was like, all it was, was straight away. Every time it was just panted out, get it out of me, but learning how to control almost through a straw to get it out of you slowly and controlled and be okay with it. And, you know, I didn't want this just for performance in the gym. This was like, I wanted to be able to hold my breath if I'm out surfing and I get, 
you know, rolled a couple of times. I didn't want to panic under the waves. And, you know, I wanted this for other, other means too. But then after practicing this for a couple of weeks, I got better. So I had to drop it down. I went four, four, yeah. uh, four, four, eight, four, and then built up five, five, 10, five, six, six, 12, six. And then even now I can go, I think my best ever effort was like a 12, 12, 24, 12. So one breath a minute, essentially, or 10 breaths in 10 minutes. Yep. And I could do that for 10 minutes. Um, and even now I can go, you know, say three weeks without following, you know, sticking to a protocol if I'm under the pump and I've just been, you know, my mind's scattered and I'm not there. I can always go back now and I can still do one breath per minute every minute for 10 minutes. And I can still maintain that. Something that stuck with me is learning how to control and be calm in a, in a situation that you feel like is stressed. That's one element of something. So that's the cadence breath. One other piece of information that people would probably, you know, love to hear about is, okay, how did this affect your performance in the gym or on an assault bike or on a bike erg or on a ski erg or out on a run? Number one, we tested out where my aerobic threshold was. It was around about 127, 128 beats a minute through the nose. After that, I felt compelled to breathe through my mouth because I was, I felt like I was dying. Within that yeah, month span, five-week span, I went from having the ability to only maintain just under 130 beats a minute through the nose to being able to hold 160 to 164 beats a minute through the nose comfortably for 10 minutes. Yeah. So it was astronomical gain. I felt calm, collected, felt like I could go all day. And the third part is I actually did my first ever Ironman only through the nose except for the swim, of course. But after that, as soon as I got out the water, not one breath of air was taken. Once I put my feet on sand to run in for the bike leg, only through the nose for the rest of the day. Um, and that was, a, you know, that was off the back of seven hours average a week training. And I did it in just over 10 hours. Yeah. And that's about, I mean, that, that's about right for the intensity of something like that, because you don't, you know, it, currently where, where we're at, um, is what I've seen because there's this phenomenon of nasal breathing that everybody's dope, you know, jumped into, um, that, you know, there is a point where that be can become just as, um, inefficient as mouth breathing too early. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've, I've seen it on a multitude of, of metabolic tests, you know, it's, it's this level at which the, you're no longer getting enough, you're not getting enough oxygen in for one, right. Because you're breathing into your nose, but you're not getting off enough CO2. So you're overloading with CO2. Right. And although you're kicking off more oxygen molecules and you've got higher nitric oxide in the system, that you still need at that point enough oxygen for energy to be efficient from an oxygen standpoint, right? And you're not, you're not at that point, most people are in, in what we would call kind of the anaerobic zone, which is really not um, how, what, what we understand bioenergetics anymore. Everything really works for oxygen. That's how we understand it now. Um, but what happens is, is you're, there's a oxygen when we become higher intensity or we get into glycolysis, right? Oxygen is used as a buffering agent for a lot of the uh, acid or acidic processes that are going on at that point as a result of those higher intensities. So 
when we don't onboard enough oxygen at that point, what I've seen is that we we've got people that um, are really good at nasal breathing and they just continue on. And then they, you know, they get to mouth breathing because we're maxing them out or something. And they've only got one minute, a minute, minute and a half at mouth breathing. And they should have far more than that. They can't even get above 40 breaths per minute. Um, which you should be able to maintain that for some time. It's just not even being able to hit that on some of these tests. At any rate, that out the bag, it's like, you know, look, the, the no brainer with breathing is the fact that, you know, if it, it can grab a hold of your nervous system very quickly. Um, it, it is a very effective tool in that. Um, it, it also is something that changes how, our chemistry works and it can give us very good indications of what's going on physiologically more so in my opinion than anything else. Um, that said, there's been so much research done on something like heart rate, that heart rate's been, that heart rate can be used as a metric to understand things in terms of intensity. However, I have run into plenty of endurance athletes, lifelongers who are over breathing at low, moderate to low paces that are quite literally not using oxygen well. And mm. what we see with a lot of these athletes is that they've worked too hard for too long um, for a very long period of time. They haven't worked easy enough and they haven't worked hard enough. And when we go sit in that place, it doesn't matter if it's heart rate zone two. If I'm over breathing while I'm in heart rate zone two, I am cinching down on the pipes, right? I'm not delivering enough. I, I'm not delivering as much oxygen as I could at that level. And if I'm hypersensitive to something or I've got some other things going on, and this is the big thing that I was able to kind of uncover with, with the work we're doing is that there's far more going on with a lot of elite level athletes and athletes in general than meets the eye. Um, being healthy is a mindset. Um, and you know, it, it, when, when I have a very busy mind and I like to overdo things or get, you know, I'm, I work too much or I don't come down enough. Um, you know, these are my type A personalities staying vigilant all the time. Da, 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 da. Me, this is who I was. Um, this is a very, this is a high level protective mechanism for not dealing with real fundamental stuff. And unfortunately that shows up in your breathing. Yeah. yeah so totally. that's the reality of it. And I didn't do that research. All that research has already been done. There's no amount of research we yeah. can't do at this point in a high quality level that will not tell us that when we have anxiousness, depressiveness, high stress, you have higher and different breathing rates than you would from a he otherwise healthy individual. Ex well, that's, that brings me to my next, my next question for people that are watching that do experience all of those yeah. um, feelings and emotions. And, you know, they feel like it's just a part of their personality that they're just, just an anxious person. Mm -hmm. What is, some, what is something, what is something tangible that they can do on a daily basis 
Yeah. That will help them. It's not the it's not the be all and end all. It's not the, the you know the one answer. No, no. It's something that can help them yeah. when they're starting to feel this way. Yeah. What, what can they do? I mean, certainly I'll get to breathing as the tool. However, uh, when we talk about anxiousness or depressiveness, um, these are all things every human being experiences. They fit on what is called an arousal state continuum. Okay. So when I'm asleep, that's a part of that arousal state continuum. Okay. When I am, when I wake up, I become awake. That is a part of that arousal state. When I'm on, when I'm, as I'm here, I'm focused listening to you and talking when it's my turn or it's, you know, time for me to talk. Right. So I'm in this focused state. However, if I start overthinking things or thinking about what I look like or other things that are going on, right, I start to delve into overthinking and an overthinking mind drifts more into this anxious state, right? Then we can flip that and we get into more of these depressive states. And I'm not here to diagnose anybody with anything. If you've got a diagnosis with anxiety, OCD, any of that stuff, depression, that is something you should be working with with your therapist. However, I will just point this fact out. You cannot be anything that can change. And thus, an arousal state continuum changes all the time. You're not always anxious. Nobody is. So you may deal with anxiety, but that's because we continue to typically do more than we can chew on, or we're trying to control things we don't have control over. So we overthink things, right? Or we've got a lot going on and we, you know, money, we're, we don't, we're not making enough money, whatever. And so we attach ourselves to external drivers versus understanding the internal driver and the internal mechanism that's at play. And when I overshoot things or I overthink things or I start thinking poorly about myself or what I haven't done, I'm now, that would be moving down on that depressive scale, correct? So mm -hmm. this is easy stuff for people to understand, right? Now, when I get into these places, there are certainly things I can do. The number one thing is to understand this. Right now, in this moment, without with removing my thinking am i in any sort of danger right now like true danger is there a bear in the room or if i'm in australia is it some sort of spider or any other fucking animal that exists right yep. <laughs> but so you understand my point is that is there something that's putting me in danger right now this very moment and if i don't have somebody who's got a gun to me a knife to me a bear in the room then the, the reality is I'm perfectly fine. I'm safer. I'm, I'm safe, right? If I'm in a place where I don't feel good about myself, great. Get up and go walk and leave your phone wherever you are at. Go walk longer than you want. And it's got to be over 45 minutes, okay? Just do that and shut your fucking mouth and just walk. If that's how you, if you're starting to feel bad about yourself, you're not doing enough, you're not doing things, it's time to go walk. Look, I, I tell CEOs this stuff, right? Like guys that are paying me a lot of money to manage a lot of their daily stuff. This is part, this is the, this is the lowest hanging fruit with anybody is you're going to walk more than you actually want to on purpose without your phone 
because we know you're no longer disconnected from yourself and trying to do more than you possibly can and multitask, which is an impossibility. Okay. So you're speaking my language right now. This is, this is me all over. (laughs) Go walk. Walking is the foundation to all movement. If you can't walk or there's an issue with walking, go get a bike, like a beach cruiser and go ride it through neighborhoods with no path in mind and just go ride for 45 minutes or longer, longer than you think, longer than you want to. Once you get beyond that want, then go, okay, I'm going to go home now. All right. Yeah. If you're anxious, same thing kind of applies, right? But in the moment, it's really just breathing. So you take a deep breath in through the nose and then you calmly let it go and let it slow down with every single breath on the exhale. And factually, we know that if you slow your exhale down more than your inhale, you will drive more parasympathetic tone, which is your parasympathetic nervous system coming back you're allowing it to come back online. And so the stress response that you're creating with your mind is now getting suppressed. But you have to keep in mind in either of these situations, you're safe, the world is not ending, you are far more than you can ever imagine, and you will solve your problems. And if you can't, you wouldn't have them. That's how it works. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I love that. I love that a lot. I've uh, I've been thinking about this regularly, like same thing, like on a daily basis, you know, busy. I want to perform. I want to achieve. I want to, I want to do well in everything I do. I want to be a good athlete. I want to be a good business person. I want to be a good partner. I want to be a good brother, a good son, uh, a this and a that. And you, you put all these external pressures that you believe you need to be to do all these things. And then you start getting yourself wound up with these anxious feelings. Like, what if I fail at that? What if I don't do this well? What if I suck at this? Or what if this happens, then I'm screwed. And if I'm screwed, these people are screwed. So I think about this on a regular basis, but then I do try and bring myself, not with that articulation, but I will use this from now on, is that the world is not coming to an end. All my problems will be solved. When have they ever not been solved before? And why am I only thinking about the one thing that's never happened to me before? Every time I've ever come across an obstacle, Every time they've been fixed at some point or they've turned out for the better or there was a learning process I needed for myself. And I feel like these days as I become older mm-hmm. and probably a little bit more spiritual as I get older is that I kind of feel like whatever my spirit, soul, mind, connection, I feel like it's mapped out this path that I need to take. And sometimes when I think it's tough and it's hard and it's why is this happening to me, I think it's probably what I actually need. I just don't know it yet. And that makes me feel a lot better about what's happening. That's great. That, 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 that's beautiful. I mean, most of what's go, what we're doing as adults, and I've done all this stuff you've just talked about. Um, granted, I'm like a decade and a half probably in front of you. Um, that said, you know, all of this stuff stems from childhood. And it, that that's the reality of it, except now we're adults. So now we tack on adulting to it. Like, oh, I've got to perform. I've got to make this amount of money or I've got to do this and that and that. Um, and I'm going to steal something from a guy by the name of Alan Watts. who is one of the great, he's one of the great philosophers, um, grew up in, uh, he was up in the Bay area, but he does this thing on, on dreams. And he talks to the crowd about, um, you know, if we were just to take your life currently and, and just stop right where you're at. And 
we went back in time to when you were born and you were able to dream whatever it was you wanted and be whatever it was you wanted and dream and, and go through amazing stuff, whatever it is that you could conceive in your mind. And, and I'm going to shorten this thing up, but he, he goes on about, you know, trials, tribulations, meeting people that you love, then you lose, you know, then you don't and all this stuff and all this stuff's going on. He goes, you want to know what would happen in 75 years time? You'd be right here because that is reality. Nobody wants to think that that's reality because they don't want to accept the choices that they've made in their lives. Because sometimes we, we don't realize we made the best choice we could at the time we did it. And we tack on this thing called regret, which is that, which is that first part of that depressive arousal state I was talking about. I'm now starting to torture myself for no real reason, right? So I go into this place of regret about something, about a decision I made, right? There's nothing I can do about that decision. I either accept the fact that I made that decision based on whatever data I had, right? And if I was a little, if I was a little shit, because I mean, I was a punk, right? And I did some pretty dumb shit when I was young. I don't regret any of it anymore because I know damn well why I was doing some of that stuff. And I did it for a reason. And I accept the consequences that I had to actually pay for a lot of that stuff, right? Because that grew me into the man that I am today. I couldn't be here solving the problems that I'm solving that I want to and enjoying every moment I've got through every day I've got on this planet. Right. And, and this is what actually I'm hired for professional athletes for at this point is to come in. And yes, I'm introducing breath work because they, they all want to know the breath work right now. We come in and do the breath work, but why are we doing the breath work? you're a world champion, right? And, and this is a conversation I've had, like you're a world champion and your main foot, you're being paid by sponsors and you're going to get extra money. If you win tonight, I understand the weight that is on that. What are you going to do if you win? What does that mean? If you win, what's next then? Like, so let's look at the reality of the fact that you've been doing this for a career. You're here as a world champion. So use your breathing to calm you down. Let's train. Let's build this stuff up and make you more efficient with all of that. But if you can't allow yourself to understand that you've lost a lot to get here, like, and you've won a lot. What's going to happen after this? Like you need to have tools in order to be able to accept the fact that you did the best you could with what you had at the moment, which is going to take a whole lot of pressure off of you in the moment. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah. what that does is the pressure just starts to relieve. Right. Um, yeah. and, and that's essentially what performance is. And the same thing goes for like these CEOs I work with that these guys, you know, I, I mean, I work for, couple folks that are in the billion dollar category and it's like well how do i help a guy like that and it's like oh simple it's the same thing but yep. it, it really is like at the end of the day sure you're going to lose a lot of money or you're going to make a lot of money in this deal but you're still here yeah so yeah. what do you want to do you want to torture yourself 
Or do you want to learn from your experience and go, oh, I made that decision. I don't regret it because now I'm going to make this decision and now I'm going to move forward. Oh, and this new deal popped up as a result of that deal not happening, right? Yeah. Or that title shot got skipped or whatever. You know, it's just, you, you have, your you can't predict the future. And we're constantly trying to predict something that we, that we are terrible at predicting. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. And with any of the work that you do, just out of curiosity, do you do, uh, do you teach any type of manifestation or any, you know, um, vibrational work or anything like that? Or is it more so about mindset and trying to keep people on the right arousal level or arousal scale to where um, they need to be for their, for their task? Really what my work is at this point is I show people the decisions they're making and how it's affecting their physiology. So if I'm looking at somebody's HRV or I'm looking at their metabolic test, and they are a performer in whatever it is, whether I'm an executive, whether I'm a MMA guy, whether I'm a CrossFit guy, whether I'm an endurance guy, it doesn't matter. I show them how their mind is affecting that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And that was actually my next question was, how do you assess an individual's current breathing patterns? And what are the indicators of either inefficient breathing or inefficient mindset or, or decision-making do you how, how would you assess someone walking in uh, yeah walking um in? that's simple and I, i've got i've got this stuff out there but um on, on my website shift adapt you can go to shift adapt forward slash breath work you'll see uh one of the assessments that i run it's the first thing i do with people it's an exhale test or assessment where they exhale out of their nose as long and as slow as they can I also have people do a step assessment where they'll be standing up. They get four or five breaths till they're calm. And then they dump all their air, hold their breath and walk as many steps as they can. I look at those two assessments and I'm able to understand exactly how they handle stress. Wow. That's so cool. There, if you're under 30 seconds on the exhale test, you're hypersensitive in some capacity right? If you're under 30 steps, you're a little sensitive, especially when you're working. Okay. So I look at two, I look at one step, one where somebody's static, not working. Yep. Now I look at one where somebody's working because I, because a lot of the more, um, people who lean into more of this, um, parasympathetic dominance, which is more on that depressive scale, they will tend to have a very good exhale assessment first time no 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 breath work no test like never had it. i've had people do 80 seconds before and have never oh, even done, never done breath work right wow and i'm like oh that's interesting and then i had them go for a walk and they can get 30 steps and i'm like there it is <laughs> yeah yep okay cool that's a great that's a great way of um so getting understanding these things now two kilometers yeah yeah. Now you can train the hell out of both of them, but they're going to come at costs, right? Like there's trade-offs. Physiology is all about trade-offs. That's all it is. It's yep. one trade-off for another, right? If you just strength train, you're going to get strong. You're not going to get aerobically fit, yep. right? Now it can do some aerobic training, but not a whole lot. Um, yep. Nonetheless, it's all about trade-offs. So really it's about getting into the sweet spot and then really pushing yourself or, or, or 
figuring out what it is you want to do. I really ultimately help people develop programs that aren't just CrossFit based anymore or endurance based anymore. It's really like, Hey man, we're going to set up some breathing for you. Here's the breathing you're going to do. Like I got a professional surfer right now who came to me about all this stuff that we've, I've been talking about. And he is starting with breath work in the mornings, ending with breath work at night. Then he's doing some aerobic conditioning stuff where he's literally, you know, controlling his breathing while he's working out on an assault bike, something you're very familiar with. And he's a professional surfer and he didn't realize he'd be doing some of this stuff, but he's now doing it. And this is the, the path that he's going to be on for at least a month with me, because that's the minimum amount of time I work with somebody at this point is yeah. there is no one session. It is your, you know, and, and, you know, it's, if I want to work with that person as well, which is just exactly where I'm at at this point, you know, it's like, I, I really like the cases that I'm working with and I'm, yeah as busy as I want to be. I like my time. Perfect. Like I, I don't want to be spun out Ryan when I was in my thirties running around on planes every other weekend and then running a gym. And then, you know, like I, I don't, I'm, I'm good, man. I, I had that experience. I loved it. And it taught me a lot. Yep. I, I feel you. I feel you very I'm much. Sure you there. Can. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. Um, one thing I was going to say, well, there was actually kind of two. One was, have you got any, you know, just, you know, standout success stories where someone's come to you and they're, you know, all over the shop. Like, let's just say someone comes to you and they're just out of whack and they've just made some insane progress just by following, you know, some protocols, like maybe some, you know, maybe some metrics, you don't have to name names, maybe some metrics on something that you, you, uh, you uh, record and be like, wow, this person went from, you know, maybe it's a surfer who wanted to take his, his breath hold is like 40 seconds, but he's about to go surf in Hawaii or he's going to go surf in Portugal, but he needs to progress and get better. Like, have we have anything, anything like that where they've like, you know, tripled their breath hold or quadrupled their breath hold? Oh, I mean, I've got plenty of people who've increased like tripled or quadrupled their breath hold, but I mean, ultimately it's about performance, right? And although that's a kind of a metrics for performance, like, I mean, you take, there, so I, there's a guy who I work, who I've worked with for um, probably 12 years now, right? Uh, his name's Ari Emanuel and he runs WME Endeavor, which owns the UFC, the WWE, so he's, he's the boss to everybody of these other companies, right? They're one of the largest entertainment companies in the world. Um, and I came to him for breath work in the beginning. We did breath. We, we started with some hyperventilation techniques with breath hold work, very similar to Wim Hof. Then we moved into more traditional breath hold work where he quadrupled his breath holds. Um, and then... It, but this relationship held right. And over a course of a few years within like two or three years, I had his, I was at his office and he stepped out and I was in the office with three people on his executive staff, his C-suite. And every one of them was like, you have no idea how important you are. Like you have changed our world. And anybody who's ever watched the show entourage knows who Ari is because he was featured as Ari gold in that, in that show. Yes. That is Ari Emanuel. And 
So he has been one of my longest standing clients. We do far more than breath work. I do his programming, all that stuff. He's an absolute nut who really cares about his health. Uh, but he quite literally followed direction and did this stuff. And it changed not only him, but it changed the ecosystem that he's responsible for. That's fascinating. And I, I can attest to that too, because when I receive protocols, and I think this is something that a lot of people can take a, you know, maybe write down in their notebook or have a mental note, you know, get it tattooed on you if you want. But the people that follow the direction, the structure, the program, and are committed to the task, I know for me, I did my very best when I followed the program. If it was A, B, C, D, E, F, G, I did not finish my day without getting to G and doing it as prescribed. If the program says we're sitting between 148 beats a minute and 152 beats a minute for seven minutes, three rounds with a rest until you get to 100 or whatever it may be. Yeah. I did exactly that every day that it was programmed, every day, 365. And you got results. The consistency showed up and it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, look at your results, bro. Like <laughs> you yeah. went from like how you finished in the games to where you changed me. And then the, like you were, what'd you place third? You won. You won the reskill then. Oh, yeah. Won the re like I had. So I went from, you know, just scraping through to the CrossFit Games and just making yeah, it. That wasn't, all, that wasn't all me. That was, but, you know, like, yeah, to be clear. Yeah. Like, I'm quite honest. Yeah. But it's, it's the, it's the journey previously it, that all builds up to it's that consistency. If people it, can get consistent with what I just laid out, hey, man, morning and evening, go for a walk more than you want. There's your base, right? Now, yeah. go to the gym as much as you fucking want. Yeah, yeah. You if can handle you can it. maintain your base, you can go to the gym. That's it. That's it. I, and I agree with this so much. And people say, well, what are you doing these days? Like, what's your, what's your, what's your main thing? My main thing is like, I want to, you know, I want to build my business and I want to do a few other things there. But, you know, I have four foundational things that I do on a daily basis that sit above my daily priority or the thing that takes up the most space in my mind on a daily, I have four things. If I am hanging around, number one, I have to be around good people all the time. If I'm hanging around like shit people, that's not on. Like that's not part of my foundational key points. Number two is sleep. Number three is nutrition. And number four, I make sure I'm getting into the gym and I'm keeping myself healthy. If I can do all those things, the business will do well. Like it'll all go really well. And those are the factors of my life will be will be catered for but if i don't do those things and you know part of that lifestyle routine or those foundational points includes me taking time out sitting on the beach doing some meditation and some deep breath work and that's a part of keeping me foundationally level and grounded so i think um i think if people understood the gravity of consistency day in day out and you look at all the highest achievers look at michael phelps one of the most consistent dudes to ever walk the planet, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, these people that were so consistent at the basic tasks, breathing morning and night, going for a walk, just doing the basic things really well, all get to the end and think, man, that was so worth it. And I've actually said that to myself multiple occasions, crossing the line for a workout that I thought I was going to previously do very poorly at, crossing the line in an event that I'm not good at, you know, snatches and burpees, winning the event and thinking to myself as I'm crossing the line in first place that, you know, consolidates the competition where I take first. 
thinking, thank you myself for being consistent, getting my gym work done, getting my breath stuff done on a Saturday night, 7 p.m. when everybody else is out having a good time. And I thanked myself for it. And it was always, always worth it. Not once did I ever say that was not worth it. That's it. That's it, man. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, if you're going to grab onto this, if people are going to grab onto what you and I are talking about here, I think the most important aspect of this, and this is part of what we teach in our, in our group stuff that we do now, which is called shift health. But, um, is when you're doing breath work, the most important aspect is to start to become, allow it to teach you how to be aware of your attention. Where is your attention? Mm -hmm. And everybody, myself included, our attention is being pulled in a hundred different directions. I, I, I do talks about this, but it's like, look, we, we take a, I'm sure you guys do it similar, but you take a driver's test, right? Everybody here takes a driver's test. We do it with a state, right? So the state of California, everybody takes a driver's test that talks about having your attention on the road, paying attention, doing all this stuff. And yet that same state puts billboards all over the highways to pull your attention off of the highway. Sure, and yeah. this is the world that we're living in is that we exist and it's not their fault. This is on us. I am responsible for my decisions and to take my eyes off the road and text message with somebody if I should do that. And by the way, everybody's doing that at this point, which is, you know, very few people I, I see on the road are not, not doing that. Right. Yeah. So becoming aware of your attention because the most valuable thing you've got is called time. And yet time doesn't exist from a practical standpoint. Time is great. It's this thing that means you and I figured out how to get on a call while you're in Australia and I'm in California, right? So mm -hmm. practically speaking, time's amazing, right? However, we somehow figured out to measure something that has never existed, nor will it ever exist. We, there's a moment, that's it. It's, it's a moment. It's a moment. <laughs> and so becoming aware of losing my attention to stupid shit on social media. Like, it's funny. I got this guy who I mentor that, that who I, I I'm in charge of his client. Who's now my client and I, he's his coach, but I actually have to talk with him. And we talk about literally like he wants to show me all this stuff he sees on Instagram. I'm like, dude, I don't, I'm not interested in any of that. Like, I really don't care about that. I don't have the time for that stuff. The stuff I have time for, I'm doing and I'm reading. I don't, ha I appreciate you caring about me. And also I don't go to like, here's another one. People want to go to dinner at seven o'clock at night. I'm sorry. It's a deal breaker. I don't go to, but I don't go to dinner at seven. I go to dinner between <laughs> five and six because I'm yeah. in bed around seven. And then yeah. I'm asleep before eight 30. And yeah. that's, because I love sleeping, but I also love waking up early in the morning and getting after it and starting a day. Oh man, speaking my language. I, I, this is another thing. Again, Brian, if you move to the Gold Coast, the sun comes up at 4.30 in the morning, mate. It's pretty I love, good. I love. It's the best. And for, for someone who's lived in Melbourne, yeah. in that area where it's dark until 
7 a.m., it makes you want to stay in bed and not get up. Coming yeah. to the Gold Coast, it drags you out of bed with this fire you've never experienced. You want to get up and get after it and have a good day every day. It's, it's the most amazing feeling. And for people that haven't experienced that, wait until you do. And if you haven't moved to the Gold Coast, you will feel it. I guarantee it. It'll drag you out of bed. It's wild. Well, got, I've got to get to the Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> it's epic, man. I was just um, in Costa Rica, which, you know, I mean, I'm right near the equator. So it was like, it was the same thing. It's like sun was up at like five in the morning. You know, it was just like, mind-blowing i love it um one thing i want to touch on and um i'm going to be uh i'm going to be uh, conscious of your time one thing i want to touch on for a lot of people that may just trigger a couple of um thoughts for them to go sit back on we talked about arousal yeah now i i can also attest to this in my athletic career that i would personally say that you know just i'll put a metric on this one too I would personally say that I'm not a great barbell cycler. I'm not good at barbell cycling. I'd never have thought myself to be a great barbell cycler. I thought I was moderately good, good enough to do decently well, go to CrossFit games, but I was never going to be the best. Now, I believe it is so essential for you to be consistent. That's probably the main factor that everyone says, you know, give me one tip, consistency. But the other factor is, and this goes for, you know, career, this goes for relationships, this goes for performing on the competition floor. You need to find someone or within yourself or bit of both where you can tap into the correct arousal level for the task at hand. And I'll, and I'll give this, I'll give this a, um, a, 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 a quick, very short story is I didn't think I was going to be good at a particular workout. And all it took was one person to say to me, actually, this happened in two instances, one person to tell me I was good at barbell cycling and I went out and I want to work out that I never should have won at any other time. And what it took was to take me from my mindset, which was I'm not good at barbell cycling, which probably puts my arousal level somewhere to compete at this particular intensity, this particular fire, this particular... Um, confidence to attack the bar you know it would have been sitting you know over here somewhere then all it took was someone who i looked up to and was inspired by to say james you are fucking good at barbell cycling what are you talking about you could fucking win this workout and i was like hmm maybe i could win this workout you know what maybe i am a good barbell cycler i went out there and i won this fucking workout have no idea well i do know how it happened it was because of that but i would have easily walked into that workout and taken a 14th out of 30 spot, given my arousal level that I gave myself. But knowing that someone shifted me, I didn't get any fitter between the 10 minutes walking out onto the competition floor and then. But that arousal level allowed me to bring about a new version of myself within a space of 10 minutes. And I think that's a powerful thing. If you find people that can do that for you on a regular basis, this is what I talk about hanging yeah. around with people. That yeah, you're not wrong. No, I mean that it's important to surround. Well, this is you. You actually start. You, you when you went over what you know the four most important things. You know, you surround yourself with people that are actually like positive, right? However, I'll, I'll just add to this. I I do not disagree with anything you're saying. There is a however. If you can't be that champion for you, I will tell you this: you will limit yourself your entire life. You are you are the parking brake my friend. 
Yes. You, that, that I am my parking brake. And the moment you take the parking brake off, you lose all those expectations and attachment issues that you just created, which are control issues, which are self-esteem issues. Okay. And you've let those go. So now you can go be. That is yes. what human being is. Human is the hardware. Being is the potential, is the possibility, is, and it's infinite, right? I'm not saying, you, you know, you're going to be able to do impossible shit in the universe, but you are your only limitation. I see this every day with the clients I work with. Every single day, they are self-limiting. They the speak, they talk to themselves, the way they do it. They think they're positive to themselves, but the moment it starts to move towards something they get a little uncomfortable with, it's instantaneous distractions, things they start to do. And it's, it, I can read it like a book now to where it's like, oh, I know what's going on. So it's like, how can I, how can I help guide them back to being more positive to themselves? If you're not positive with yourself, trust me, you will only attract people who will not be positive with you. You will only be in relationships that suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Don't talk yeah. shit on all the relationships you have. Mm, wow. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. And and the and the way that I see the way that I see this is you give someone who knows that yeah. they're amazing at one thing. They know that they are the best at that one thing, whether it's you know playing a video game or or running or whatever it is, they will, they will attack that task with tenacity that they would never attack a a task that they thought they were poor at. But if you could unleash something within yourself to believe that you could be the best at that one thing and you approached every aspect of your life in that way, again, you're being, you're, you're being, you're, you're you're unleashing yourself across a broad. I've been been like living in that for a little while now. Like I I, I live in a lot of that right now. And I'm every day. I'm like, I can't believe how good my life is. I can't I was about to say, how does it feel? How does it feel? But I'm, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm in awe every day. I wake up, I go to bed. I love it. I have a partner that I love. I'm like, I'm, I'm everything about my life is, is amazing. And I'm, I'm, I've removed the attachment towards most of the external stuff. And the moment I start clinging to that stuff, everything starts to fucking go in reverse. And I, Oh, you know what? No, just do what you do. Be That's creative it. the way you're creative. Go do it. <laughs> I love it. Brian, thank you so much. This was such an insightful conversation. I'm actually or inspired now to go out and just attack the day. <laughs> thank Wonderful, you. Brother. Wonderful. Yeah. On that uh, web link, they'll find breathing patterns, breathing protocols to do. Go match Beautiful. them up. Go screw around. Yeah. Yeah. I'll um I'll get an email from you after with all the all the reference links and I'll put this in the show notes and everything else as well. Wonderful. Awesome. And um, if anyone wants to um, find your app, like just now, find your app, find your personal, where's just the go best to shiftadapt.com. Everything's going to forward link to our app, to everything we're doing, um, all that stuff. We're, we're in the midst of a change. Um, all the programming stuff we do has all the breathing stuff in there. We have breathe and move stuff on our membership site. It's like 30 bucks a month. It's pretty cheap um, if they want to dive deeper. But the free stuff is still, there's some free stuff still there. So people can look at that. I'm not on, I mean, people can go to social media, but I'm not actually on it anymore. So yeah, beautiful. Love that. I love that for you. That's awesome. Thanks, Brian. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, guys, thanks for joining in on our 30th, 30th episode of the Fiber Performance Podcast. Cheers. Thanks, bud. Good to see you. Good to see you too.
All right, brother.